Hey everyone, and welcome to the Vince Sanders Complete Fitness Podcast. These podcasts are all designed to help us understand each other a little better, come together as a community, and just spread a little bit more of the love. Um, in these episodes, we have various guests talking about different subjects that some of you may know about, some of you may not, but hopefully you all leave with a better understanding of them. Uh, if you enjoy them, please pass them on to your friends, and I look forward to any comments you'd like to leave. So let's get into today's episode. Hey everybody and welcome to today's podcast. This is part two of the PCOS series that I'm going to do. You'll see them randomly pop up as we get the chats going on the on the playlist. So today I have the lovely Bev Moore with me and she is somebody who I met whilst I was doing my stint as a doorman for my sins. I'm sure I was being punished for something doing that job because it was a ride and uh i saw bev in one of the pubs i was working in she recognized me from the gym we started talking and we've always sort of kept in contact since and then unfortunately there was an incident with some charming individuals that tried to uh take bev's handbag while she was riding a bike they chased her through town and she basically snapped her ankle so i was doing rehab with her before lockdown started that kind of put the kibosh and everything but i've checked in we've kept in touch with each other since so with the PCOS topic being something that I want to shed some light on with various people coming in to talk about it and their experiences Bev was kind enough to say that she'd talk about it so today we're going to go through how it's affected Bev what she knows about it um, her individual journey with it and this is the main thing we're trying to work with because as I've stated before in previous podcasts the one with Nicola who will be coming back to do uh, more of a fertility side of things with it this is a very individual journey for everybody. It's not the same for every woman. It's the information you're told is different because it's constantly evolving. How it affects you is very different, et cetera, et cetera. So the more people's experiences we can get in one place, hopefully it resonates with you somewhere so you can find some solace that either A, somebody feels the same way as you do, or B, you may learn something you didn't know. So I will hand over to the lovely Bev and she can tell us a little bit about herself. So the floor is yours, Bev. Talk away. Wow. Okay. So I've recently joined the Naughty 40 Club. Um, Rocking it. Yeah, totally. Um, I've noticed lots of changes about my body um, over the last five, six years. Um, weight seems to be a huge problem that I just never seem to be able to get on top of. Um, uh, many years ago, back in my probably late 20s, um, I was unfortunately diagnosed with early stage cervical cancer, which involved having the vast majority of my cervix removed. Um, and yeah, that was that was not a, a great time, obviously, in my late 20s. I hadn't planned on having any more children anyway, but, you know, that's just how the cookie crumbles. And then I was warned that, you know, there could be um, other problems that I could face menopause early that, you know, I, I would have other lady bits, you know, that that weren't quite as as what they should be. So I got on with it, hit 30, thought life was great, was still reasonably able to maintain my weight. Um, varying you know between a 10 and a 12 you know we're, we're not all one shape and one size so you know no. i used to have a, a size 10 waist with a size 12 behind and hips um and now i'm i'm a little bit bigger than that you know i'm 
around about 14 but I've definitely noticed that you know the last five years or so uh, no matter what I do I just seem to struggle right um in amongst that um I also was having really bad problems with my monthly cycle I've been prodded probed test swabbed you know checked internally scanned several times and I was diagnosed with both polycystic ovary syndrome and endometriosis. Wow, both of them. So you got you got yeah. both 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 jab and cross from that one, didn't you? I, I got a double whammy. Yeah, it was great. Um, not obviously, which meant for me my periods over the last five years have been horrendous. I could be on one week, off the next, back on again the week after. They could last anything from four days to 14 days, um, over which time my body would crave food like like an addiction, like almost there was no cut off point in my brain to tell me when I'd had enough. I would just at some point feel sick. Right. Um, I I do think I may have some thyroid problems as well, but that's currently ongoing. I'm I'm having what the the doctor is referring to me as well woman checks at the moment. Right. Um, and yes, um, I'm hit with the early stages of menopause, which um, again isn't helping. It's uh, mentally draining. It's emotionally draining. It's physically draining as mm. well, which means my for some women, their cycles lessen and lighten. And for some of us, it gets worse and more frequent. And I fall into the latter category. I found that the, the tiredness and fatigue is, it's off the scale. Some days, you know, I, I rely on Lucozade just to be able to function first yeah. thing in the morning. And, um, yeah, I wasn't really told much about menopause. You know, apparently it was just, you know, a, a phase you go through when your periods start to stop and, you know, every woman goes through it. And back in the early 90s, you know, I, I think the whole lady area was definitely a taboo subject. And I think in education, it still is, to be fair. Yeah, it was not... funny, wasn't it, how there was a stage where it was all very liberating. You look at like the... Uh... Mm pretty much from the 60s to the 80s it was all about liberation it was obviously we had the 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 very real issue with aids and stuff obviously they did that um yeah. uh, it's a sin which was a great documentary sort of biopic about it but then yeah and as soon as the 90s came it's so don't talk about that anymore just yeah oh no 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 that's uh that's an everyone became very prudish all of a sudden again almost like we reverted back as if being educated in in sexual expression and especially in the nicest possible way without sending up a shitstorm men's bodies are quite easy to figure out there's not much that can go wrong yes when it does go wrong it kind of does get very serious very quickly but it there's it's a very clear time when that happens whereas yeah. with female bodies again having grown up with a mum who's all of that down there you know doctors literally turned around and said to her once like i hope you weren't thinking of having children because there's absolutely no chance that anything could work in there and she said well i've had two boys and they were like well bloody congratulations because there is absolutely no chance that should have happened and her cycles very much like yours were three weeks at a time and then a week yeah. off and another three weeks but it was very volatile etc etc but it's just so varied and it seems like uh, maybe that's why not much information is known. I don't know. That might be oversimplifying everything. But it just, as you say, 
it's almost like the menopause is like this badge of honor, isn't it? That the older ladies say, oh, you wait till the menopause. If it's like, well, it was going to happen anyway. So you'll just have to ride yeah. it out like the rest of us. Yet it's very wild. And I suppose, again, stipulating being the man in the room, it, I'm sure it can be quite scary at times thinking like, what the hell is happening and what comes next? I think definitely so. I mean, your emotions can be absolutely on a roller coaster. I can be happy as Larry baking cakes one minute and then the next minute it's like a scene from some sort of like scary movie where I'm screaming and wanting to smash things up and absolutely losing my rag over something really trivial. Like I, I completely lost my head over Marmite one day. There was no Marmite and I wanted Marmite on toast. And at that particular point in time, I... Yeah, I near enough tore down the house over Marmite. And then then you feel the guilt because you realise you've just taken it out on your loved ones and that you're unreasonable. And then inevitably you end up crying your eyes out and then you end up feeling weak and pathetic for crying over something so trivial. And then, you know, maybe five minutes later, you're, you know, happy baking cakes again. And it's, you, you can't level it out and you can't justify it because the, the hormones can be so different. So... I think for menopause, for some women, their bodies start to overproduce the female hormones like mm -hmm. estrogen. And for some unlucky people, their male hormones tend to, you know, produce a bit more. So, you know, the, the testosterone comes in. And I, I think as a woman, you know, we, we strive to be the best person that we can be. You know, we we have our hair done. You know, it might just be cut or it might be coloured or it might be styled or we put makeup on or we do our brows or that there's always some sort of self-care. But the, the minute your body starts to change, you realise that you're actually trying to do so much more because menopause is almost like it's like the end of your your youth and your you know your vitality and you're, you're mm. desperately clinging on to something that you don't know you know how long it's going to last so yeah it's interesting you say that it's almost you go from accentuation to preservation mm -hmm. yeah and yeah like as you say we, we all do i mean i'm i'm past caring now the the, the grays that are flocking into my hair and beard are just pff, whatever but as you say, you go for that time trying to accentuate everything, don't you? You get your hair done, you get your lashes done, your brows are done, your lips, uh, you get yeah. your lipstick and you put your makeup on. And it's because you want to show off what you've got. And then, yeah. as you say, you hit that moment where you actually go, Jesus Christ, I'm just trying to main show people I'm still what I am, even though your body's yeah. fighting you at, in that sense. And yeah, yeah and it, I mean, that that's funny from a, from a different point of view anyway, because it should, it, in every other animal species it's always the men that have to show off and compete because you ladies get to choose who you go with yet we're the only ones that seem to the women get as involved as the men as it were to try and show off what we've got yeah. but yeah i can see from a psycho psychological point of view i suppose how you haven't technically changed what you're doing you'll still get your hair done you'll still get your eyebrows done your lashes done ever but that is the meaning behind it isn't it you've gone mm -hmm. from trying to show everybody your your womanly values as it were for lack of a better word all of a sudden going trying like desperately trying to cling on to your womanly values because you feel that they're, they're slipping away yeah yeah and it, it can be so many changes like one day you know your skin can almost be like teenager like and your sebaceous glands are overactive and you know you're developing 
huge spots and boils, which I'm currently sporting. They need their own passport right now. This is why, I, luckily, then, I have a beard to hide all that. I was I was yeah. blessed with a, stri- a very thick chin a line. beard. <laughs> yeah. I tell you, if it wasn't for the tweezers, I probably wouldn't be far behind you. <laughs> you know, every day you catch yourself in the light and, you know, they're just these hairs and they're just like, hello. And, you know, <laughs> I think for, for women, um, you know, certainly women that are aware of their bodies and their changes, um, when we go through um, gynecological issues, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's um, anything, we, we tend to have it on the lower half of our face. So kind of like from the nose and round the chin. So this whole area becomes a problem area. That's where you'll get your spots. It's where you'll start to grow thicker darker hairs it's Hmm. what's over oily or sometimes it's really dry and you know I mean you can have the best skincare in the world but your body will ultimately change as often as the wind whilst you're going through the change yeah and um it's 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 hard to handle as a woman if I'm honest because you know I I want to be young I want to be seen as being young and I'm not and hitting menopause and having the polycystic ovaries the endometriosis means that sometimes you know i can be absolutely fine i can be walking down the street and then boom one of these cramps will hit me and i will literally want to fold over in half Mm. my eyes will become watery and you know i've just got to take 10 minutes out but then sometimes as quick as it comes it can go again and i think people don't understand what that's like if they've not been through it they just think oh she's having a period or oh, it's just a woman, get over it. You've been having it for, you know, 25 years or whatever. But the the journey is so different for so many people. And when you have those challenges, it's because there isn't any real guidance, there's no real education. And because there's no textbook process, because we are all so different, Mm. it makes it very hard to relate. And I think for some women, they're embarrassed. They don't want to talk to people. And certainly for me, you know, I, as I said, I'm 40, the the women that I would look up to, so like my aunts and things who are obviously of a different generation, yeah, not always so keen to talk about it, or if they do, their experiences can be so different to what you are. So then you think, what's wrong with me? Why, why am I like this? And again, it just brings all that self-doubt. And then you go back to, you know, trying to, again, reverse signs of aging and you know, again, go into self-preservation mode and it's just a constant yo-yo and battle. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's funny, um, like my, my grandmother, prime example of sort of what you're saying, my, my mum, due to the fact that we couldn't escape it, I suppose we can talk quite openly about it. I mean, me and my brother, my brother's um, wife has polycystic ovary syndrome and endometriosis and fibromyalgia and about seven other things that come off a pharmacy list of things that she's got going on with her. So me and my brother talk about it. You know, we, we were, we were very, I don't want to say the word lucky in the wrong context, but due to my mother's condition, me and my brother are very well versed in Mm. how complex and how volatile and how, aggressively this can come on and the mood changes it can bring um etc where as a lot of men and women i guess have no idea and then but then you talk to my grandmother who 
essentially just sees my, I mean, don't we laugh at it. It's my mum is difficult to my grandma, you know, it is what it is. But there is that that generation, it was just well, you should you should just deal with it. Yeah. You know, or as you, as you because they had to just deal with it because their parents didn't talk about it. And it said, and you have that line of lineage that goes back where people just didn't talk about it. You are essentially just told to suck it up. Yeah. Maybe not in those words, but it is very much a, well, it, well, we all went through it. Is yeah. there, that is, you know, <laughs> so with the whole, well, we lived through a war. Doesn't mean it was a great time. It's not like, no. it, you know, this is the, it wasn't the grand old days, you know, when death was knocking at your door with the same thing with these issues. And as you say, if nobody else has had quite the ride you've had in your circle of people that you would confide into, as you said, quite rightly, it's got to be very isolating all of a sudden to go to somebody who is the only people really you're close enough to talk to about it that have gone through it and then go, well, you know, we all went through it. It was just, it's just one of those things. And you go, um, if it was a little bit different than one of those things, it's, it's, it's a little bit more uh, acute than that, I suppose. But as you say, when you get just sort of told, well, we dealt with it all, well, we don't really talk about that. <laughs> what do I do now? Yeah. I think um, similarly to you, my nan was very much the same. Um, when, you know, we spoke about these things when when she was with us, um, she explained that, you know, her period stopped dead when she was 42. She had no no mood changes, no, no, you know, infrequent bleeding or irregular bleeding. It was literally like gone just as quick as it arrived. Mm. And then my mum has had various health issues as well, which have obviously contributed to hers, but her diff her situation has been the polar opposite of my nan and right. I, I think what we have to look at as well is in the day and age that we're in at the moment in 2020 um our lifestyles and our environments are so much more different so you have to wonder whether or not that has a direct result on it so much more food that we have now is imported it's um mass produced it's you know You've got chickens that are being injected with steroids and water to make them bigger. You've got, you know, pesticides on food. Whereas, you know, back in our grandma's days, you know, they, they probably had allotments and grew their own veg. So they, they probably didn't have the, the processed food that is what we have available today. And not everyone can afford to eat organically and to eat fresh. And for some families, it's a financial thing, so they can't afford it. But you, you have to wonder whether or not all of these different lifestyle changes over the last 50, 60 years are having a direct impact on our bodies now, because the way we are growing up is very different to how they grew up. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, rationing was a big thing. You couldn't overeat. Mm. It was very hard to overeat. And, you know, they countless studies come back saying, you know, we were at our healthiest during the war because everybody ate the exact amount. I mean, nobody was flourishing. I'll make that very clear. Nobody was thriving, but nobody was malnourished per se because everybody had enough for one person, for each person to survive for a week. You weren't, you weren't going to grow massive muscles, but you weren't going to waste the weight. Again, through selective, maybe even, as you say, not the pesticides and stuff, but the funniest one is when you talk to your grandparents and gluten intolerance wasn't a thing. They don't no. believe in gluten intolerance. And it's like, well, the corn and the wheat that was well, not the corn. Yeah. But the wheat you were eating then 50, 60 years ago is not the wheat that is on production now because we've had to make it drought proof and flood proof. And for all these selective breeding processes with 
xyz and all the food we're eating because it has to survive the new climate we're in which naturally progresses anywhere regardless you aren't eating the same stuff you're quite right and because there is no limit anymore on what can and can't be eaten because we are fortunate enough to live where we are and food scarcity technically is not a problem yes there are kids and people going hungry and that is more complex than just the fact there's no food because there is food there's food everywhere in fact like there, there is just quite literally food falling out of the bins half the time is there's that much yeah. of it but as you say unless you could go back and really check what was going on back then to compare to now and it might even not be say our generation itself it could be the interim in between has passed on these genetic quote unquote defects or these conditions. And we're just bearing the brunt of it now because, you know, it's usually one of those things that drops down. So when you found out you had PCOS and endometriosis, was that before or after the cervical cancer thing you had to have done? That was after. So okay. um, after they removed my cervix, obviously they discussed fertility issues and they said things like um, it, it wouldn't be impossible to get pregnant, but it, it would be more difficult. Mm. Um, they did say that if I did become pregnant, um, that because there was no cervix and there wasn't enough to, without being too graphic, heal over and hold the baby in. Yeah, right. That, yeah. Um, if I did go ahead with a pregnancy, I would have to have a surgical procedure in order to close the like the lining of my womb at the top and to close up the cervix to obviously prevent things from coming out. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, Basically, the chamber that the baby would... was supposed to go in wasn't there anymore. Yeah. So I'd have to so, artificially make one. Yeah. So that obviously would then um, involve a, a risk of miscarriage, a risk of infection. A risk of it not working mm. um so you know i obviously didn't have any more children i've got one she's nearly 20 now and um yeah i'm surprised she's still alive with my hormones the way they are you know <laughs> i, I could have uh, definitely jimmy core killed her under the patio a few times um but you know she's uh she's still going <laughs> somehow. she is still going yes i can vouch ladies and gentlemen she is in fact still, i saw her the other day she's alive and well <laughs> yes Yes, absolutely. And I, I think the, the Hardwick can uh, attest to that as well, because she was there last night. Indeed. On a Monday, but oh, to be young. But so, yeah, I, I never explored um, the, the idea of expanding my family. And I think as well, psychologically, I, I felt like I couldn't maybe find a partner in case they wanted children because I didn't want to risk myself or the heart wrench of losing uh, a child and going right. through miscarriage so yeah I, I kind of avoided relationships I tried to you know I can do this on my own I'm a single independent woman you know but I do think I missed opportunities as well so mm -hmm. I think that you know there were probably men that would or would not of you know wanted a family but i didn't really give any of them that option or that choice because i just kind of felt that you know it was something i had to deal with if they wanted kids they had to go do them and you know if if they came back they came back if they didn't they didn't right but then after the um after that the cervix was removed um up until present day i still have to have smears every six months which 
it's not the nicest of procedures, um, but it's not uncomfortable. So ladies do not fear the smear. Go in, yes, get tested. Yes, exactly. So uh, I am done. very much on that with my female clients. Um, I say anybody who's listened to this podcast now knows that my client base is predominantly women. And yeah, I, I have had conversations before where a, a lady... Uh, female client of mine was reluctant to go and get the smear test done after she'd had the purple uh, pink letter saying you need to get down there and get it done because yep. she didn't want to inconvenience her other half by leaving the kids at home while he was working from home during lockdown and I went well what's the other what's the other option you die I was like no no get your backside down there he can suck it up and deal with it for a couple of hours like it is a five I, I think minute we're procedure. all right I think we're okay um yeah. I'm 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 on it with my other half um you know, and as I've said, with guys, it's like, look, I'm going to hit an age very quickly where I'm going to have to go and make sure that everything down there is working for me because, mm -hmm. you know, the prostate cancer and everything else. I said, like, it's just the thing. Yes, there is an unpleasantness to it, obviously. But as you say, it's either that or something worse happens. So, but I mean, the Absolutely. frequency you have to have it done. If, if anybody could be a spokesperson for how it's not as bad as it's made out to be, you've got to be it because it's like you have to have one every six months. You, you're very much. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've had more than I care to remember the amount of doctors and nurses and gynecologists that have, you know, seen my, my lady parts, you know, I, I definitely couldn't even name them all. I couldn't even put a figure on it. Um, <laughs> And I think as well, because I was younger, um, mm. quite a lot of trainee medical students, trainee gynecologists, you know, they, they've all been party to the journey that I've been on. And it, it's not pleasant, but it's, it's not unbearable. It takes not even five minutes. Your smear can be over and done with probably in about 90 seconds. Mm. And if you think about it, you probably spend longer than that having a shower, drying your hair, putting your makeup on, arguing with your kids. So it's it's just something that we need to do. Yeah. Um, but as I said, following that, um, I still felt that things weren't right. My, my menstrual cycle was um, becoming far more frequent. Mm -hmm. um, I had a couple of smears that came back with um, inconclusive results. So again, I had to keep going backwards and forwards, but there was definitely an issue down there um right. and that the pain that i felt and then i used to convince myself that i was having tumors because inevitably like we women do we're we're suspicious as women we are naturally suspicious about everything and we're inquisitive so you know you can poke through your tummy you can prod your tummy and you can feel what's going on and a bit like when you do a breast check and you check for breast lumps you can yeah. actually push down you know, in your lower groin area, around your hips, and you can feel for any sort of irregularities or anything that that isn't what would normally be like normal. And for me, I, I felt like I could feel golf balls inside right. me, um, you know, to the sides where my ovaries would be. So I went down to the doctors, they did several tests. I had an ultrasound scan, um, Generally, you have two types of ultrasound scan. You have one on your tummy, like you would do if you were pregnant. Yep. And then you also have a, a probe scan, which is kind of what it says on the tin. It's it's an internal scan. But again, yeah. that's not it's not that uncomfortable. It's it's different, but it's not, 
you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, you know, it's going to make your life easier if it needs to be done, get on and do it. Um, and it was there that they said that my ovaries had developed um, an abnormal amount of cysts. And along with my temperatures, my sweats, my, my cramps, my groin pains, um, my regular periods, my hormones, my estrogen levels, they concluded that I had polycystic ovaries and endometriosis. Um, the first doctor I saw happened to be a male GP, so I'm not sure I saw the right person at first, but mm -hmm. his answer was, take painkillers, you can buy them over the counter, take some paracetamol, drink plenty of water, and the pain will subside. And I kind of got out of there thinking, is that it? Is that all you've got to tell me? It's almost like when and you I... offer your child cowpole when they've got a bellyache, isn't it? And you just go, yeah. I mean, really? <laughs> yeah, well, after several attempts with just uh, self-medicating with painkillers, you try with obviously the bog standard paracetamol, you try with the ibuprofen, you try with anything you can, you know, you try massaging your tummy with coconut oil, you try warm baths, you try heat patches, you try hot water bottles, anything just to make it a bit more bearable to get through the day. So um, now I'm currently going through different types of hormone treatment. So the next stage um, for me is that they want to try and regulate or or you know at least try and bring to a halt just everything that's going on so as well as having a coil fitted internally yeah um which is a hormone release coil okay they've now yep. decided to put me on the pill as well so in addition to being a mum and having a job and everything else i now have to remember to take a tablet every single day which is just another thing to add to my chores and if I'm honest I don't always remember no it's you know it's not something I've had to to consider or to do but if that doesn't work then they will look at the possibility of HRT um mm -hmm. which for anyone that isn't familiar with that or for the blokes it's called hormone replacement therapy and that will be a way of trying to stabilize my hormones if that doesn't work, then I potentially could be facing another surgical procedure and I could be looking at having a partial or a full hysterectomy, but that's undecided as yet. And uh, we've, we've got to battle it out with these lovely little pills for the next 12 weeks. Lovely, lovely. So with the, so for mainly men i suppose listening and maybe some women you know yeah. i'm not gonna plug it yeah. so polycystic ovary syndrome and endometriosis mm -hmm. are in fact two very different things you can have one or the other in your case you have both yeah was there a differentiation explained to you about the two or was it just look you've got them both deal with it off you go or did you then have yeah, to go and no. find out yourself or ask around to find out more information on it yeah, um, very much the, the internet was my guide. Um, okay. Yes, there are brilliant things that you can read on the internet and there are not so brilliant things to read. So I think if you are going to look at something like that, then definitely you need to look at the actual government websites, the NHS websites, um, 
you know, going on various social media platforms and forums is all well and good because people speak about their experiences and what works for them. But what you have to remember is that's not going to work for everyone. Um, no, it's very anecdotal, isn't it? You've got to, you know, it's, it's good to see yeah. that other people, what they've come across to maybe see if your symptoms set up. But as you say, yeah, ear on the side of caution. When it comes to medication, any kind of remedies, you do kind of have to go with doctors. Well, you have to go with yeah. doctors because at least, you know, it's tried and tested homeopathic remedies. If you've come across one that works is fine, but yeah, if just because it works yeah. for one person is doesn't mean it's going to work for you. No. And I think the, the important thing to remember is, you know, what's normal for your body and mm. you know how your body feels. So a, um, when the endometriosis is playing up, it's very much like a, a centralized kind of pulling tugging pain mm. whereas with the polycystic ovaries um you know sometimes they can get big sometimes you know they can just be sat there and do nothing but that is more to the side um so when you imagine the lady parts you know though those pains are closer towards your hips and on the insides and down your legs as well because obviously your muscles are all related and when you get spasms and they contract it it can go anywhere from you know down to your knees to up to your boobs um mm. so again that is different for everyone but I, I think it's always important that if you are unsure absolutely get a second opinion you can ask to speak to a specialist nurse you can ask to see a gynecologist you can ask for a referral if you know that what you're experiencing isn't normal for you and you're not happy with what you've been told then go and get that that second referral yeah for sure and I think, as you said there, it's really important to don't be afraid to ask until you understand. Yeah. Because you may not even understand it on the second one. It, it's down no. to the communication skills of the person you're speaking to, you know, it's, it's from yeah. any kind of training or consulting or coaching point of view, doctor, whatever. The person can only interpret the language that you're speaking. So if your doctor's talking to you in a language that you don't understand, I don't mean English polish japanese whatever i mean if the words they're saying aren't resonating with you and you can't take it in you either have to ask them to explain it in a different way or go find some other versions of that explanation because one of them will kick through one of them will help you understand but don't be afraid to ask as many times as possible until no. you get it because if somebody says well you're not listening to me it's like no it's not i'm not listening to you i'm just not understanding what you're saying you need to explain it to me differently because these words don't mean anything to me yeah. i mean it's no different than when I've been training you in the gym and I say something, you look at me like a plane's just flown over the top of your head. I'm like, ah, okay, that didn't resonate. Let's give you a different explanation. You go, ah, yeah. yes, that now makes sense. That's exactly how I was going to move. And you go, oh, okay, great. But I know from a lot of people, I, I'm myself, I'm very lucky. I'm quite outgoing. I'll just ask. And I'm sorry, I didn't understand that. But for a lot of people, I know that they'll, they'll be shy enough about asking in the first place. They'll get an explanation they don't really understand. And they'll just walk away feeling more confused. You know, as, as Bev and myself have just said, if you're listening to this, keep asking until you understand it, because it's not your fault. If you don't understand, it means that the people you've been talking to haven't clearly explained it in a language that you understand best. So keep going or ask them, say, can you reword that for me? Because those words, I don't understand what that means. Yeah. And I think as well, it's about recognising those changes um, that you feel within your body. So certainly I've noticed that my hair seems to be thinner and finer. Mm -hmm. I, I said about my skin you know one minute it's drier than the Sahara Desert and the next minute you could fry an egg on it um, 
again it's the emotions but it's silly little things and you know that the pains and the cramps sometimes can mask it and if you've got any other underlying health issues for any other medical reasons and you're taking medication for them just beware that it, it can mask and you know you may not notice symptoms or changes because you know it's being masked by something else yeah yeah exactly so as i say i was uh, kind of alluding to that that you you can generally feel if it's one or the other acting up because endometriosis if i remember correctly off the top of my head is more of a scarring issue isn't it around yeah the around the organs per se rather than polycystic ovaries which is in fact on the organs because i know yeah. a lot of women that have endometriosis that i've worked with and stuff as well and it's uh, it's, it's a, I wouldn't say it's more or less pain it's just a very different one um, that it comes with one or the yeah. other yeah I, I found like I said the, the endometriosis generally tends to be more central whereas the polycystic ovaries tends to be more out to the side mm. but um, yeah. like, like I said everyone's different and our bodies are different so you know if you are very slim and slender and very toned, you might notice a little bit more than if, you know, you've got a little bit more, more cushion on you because, you know, if you feel something that, you know, might be uncomfortable, you might put it down to trapped wind periods, you know, um, possibly a slight touch of, you know, some sort of food intolerance or food right. poisoning. And it, it can be very difficult with everything that's down there because there's such a taboo on admitting that you know you're not a, a perfect prime specimen that you know you you don't want to be pitied you don't want to you know yeah. be looked down upon and you don't want to be thought of as any less and i think as a woman we're fully aware that you know our boobs aren't where they were our you know our our wrinkles are setting in and we we feel these changes but we're not as quick to admit them and accept them and um yeah, you, you've just really, really, really got to be aware and in tune of your body and what's normal for you because you will notice those changes if you look. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, quite rightly, as you say, there's a very big internal, social, um, medial pressure for women to look forever youthful. You know, you, it's, it's there, there was that scandal, wasn't there, in the media a while ago where these female newsreaders were being ushed off because they re reached a certain age threshold and the men are allowed to carry on till God knows when. And I think as well, because you say women are wonderfully complex, you know, they are, they do have many different forms and faces and, and different stages. Men, as I said, we're, we're very simple as we are children. Then we quote unquote grow up if we're lucky and we tend to just cruise along and we just, reach old age and it, we get wrinkles but it doesn't necessarily it's, it's not seen as the taboo for a man to get older now many men do feel that they feel their vitality leaving them and they're in but they're not in competition strangely with the world they almost feel like in competition with their younger selves and it's a very different mentality whereas yeah. the, the there is not a pressure on men to stay young no there's a pressure on men to grow up but yeah. it's very different because that's all happens inside. So it doesn't matter what you look like. It only no. matters sign of how you're acting. But for women, it's very, very centered around looks. And, you know, so I'm surrounded by women all the time. I've got two little girls. That I'm desperately trying to protect from all of this. 
I've got another half who's, you know, constantly conscious about how she looks and, you know, the, the women that I'm training and I've said, before, you know, this, if, if I can get one quote in to hopefully help everybody, it's like your size and your weight don't make you who you are. They only determine how you are in a sense of your health. But the trouble is yeah. it's just, and there's just this real thing about saying that if you don't look flawless and, and nobody is, that all came out the other day. It's all completely airbrushed. That um, thing, it was that fitness activewear model was seen video behind the scenes putting bum like the old chicken fillets for your bum down the back of her bloody <laughs> leggings to make her ass look big and it's like it's all designed to push this narrative that you have to look a certain way and in the the celebration like of in, yeah and but the celebration of individuality that kind of came out when women were sexually liberated in the 60s and it was just like you could just be who you were and everybody loved it and, you know the 60s and 70s where it was all it was just just be cool man you know what you want to be you be you and then all of a sudden we got really conservative and found that we had to put people in boxes again and with the marvel that is social media and filters and lighting and everybody's phone is a professional bloody photo shoot now i think people are genuinely scared to it's, it's that whole felt cute might delete later thing isn't it and that drives me insane and it's like so you want people to like the post otherwise you don't get validation so you'll take another one yeah, I mean, if, if you want to, you know, Photoshop me and give me, you know, a more defined jawline and, you know, less wrinkles and a clearer complexion, drop a few pounds, I don't mind. <laughs> I know I don't look like that, but I, I won't have any any problems with that. <laughs> I have no do. issues <laughs> not looking anything like myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. You always look glam to me, Bev. I will say that. You've, you've never once... And I, I suppose, you know, it sound, it's going to sound really bad now, but maybe that is the the problem, isn't it? Like I've never once seen you where you didn't look quote unquote made up. I say glam, like you always look good when yeah. I see you. But then if you dig deeper into that, it's because you feel that you can't not look that way. You couldn't. Oh, absolutely. I, I've got two looks. The first one is probably homeless and unwashed and the second one is probably okay to go out in public um so i i don't really have an in-between i've either got a you know a, a face on me with my makeup and my eyelashes and stuff or i look like an absolute tramp and you know i think as well part of that i've, I've noticed with the the menopause is um night sweats which then leads to broken sleep which then leads to dark circles now i could put my makeup on with a that's my entire in look essentially like broken sleep and dark circles i've just turned it into my everyday look <laughs> well yeah i mean it, it goes on with the trowel and it comes off with a caster pressure washer you know it probably takes just as long <laughs> to get the makeup off as it does bloody go on but you know for me i feel you know if, if i step out into the you know the big wide world without my makeup on uh, which i do when i go down the allotment but that's because most of them are old and they can't see me anyway but certainly if i'm venturing into town then there, there is a pressure on women to make sure that you look good because if you don't 
you know, before you know it, it's messages between each other, it's group chats, it's it's shaming, it's, oh, have you seen how rough she looks? Oh, have you seen her without her makeup on? Oh my God, doesn't she look awful? And as much as we say that we don't do that, we actually all do, and I'm just as mm. guilty as the next person. I'm not going to say that I've never made a negative comment because I definitely have. Um, don't mean it to hurt anyone. It, it's more of an observation, but then I think if I think like that about others they must think like that about me and then you know when you work with the public and you're, you're out and you're in a pub and you're all tittle tattling and talking but there's always going to be you're going to find faults with each other as women when actually what we should be doing is is building each other up not tearing each other down because being a woman is bloody hard enough as it is you know you've got the hormonal insurge of puberty then you've got your most amazing time of your life when you're probably going to be at your fittest and healthiest. And then it just generally declines from there. Mm. And I think because we're all on these different journeys, because we're all different, really, we, we do need to support each other as women. But saying that I probably will never come to the gym without my makeup on. <laughs> it's, it's interesting because, I mean, I... I'm very lucky, I suppose, in that my other half very rarely wears makeup. She only wears it if she's really going out. She She's always said because she can't be bothered. She can't be asked for the faff of it. And it's fair enough. But yeah. for me, I suppose, I know I notice when people aren't wearing makeup for a different reason. It's more so it's like, because I work in mental health and I can't help overthink everything because I am wired that way. But I often wonder, it's like, why? The, the, I suppose it's one of those things, isn't it? Because makeup has become so mainstream, you notice when someone's not wearing makeup because it's it's not that they look awful. It's like, oh, that's what you actually look like. And it's weird because yeah. it shouldn't be at any point a shock that somebody actually looks like they look. But it is because it's if it's a constant thing due to an insecurity or, you know, as you say, in your case, I suppose from what we've been speaking about, a lot of it is a way to regulate your appearance because you've said it's so up and down due to all the hormonal issues and stuff that you can almost regulate your look through makeup so that it doesn't matter if you have more oily skin or dry skin or if you've had sweats in the night or you've had a good night's sleep. You are able to regulate how you look through makeup. Yeah. And, and the thing is, it's what, you don't change your makeup every day. Nobody does. Yeah. No, no, nobody decides they're going to have, you know, you have your set routine, you make your face the way you make your face and you go off into the world. And it's like, this is what I feel comfortable in. And it's always fascinated me. And again, it could be ignorance. Well, it's not because I, I do suffer from body dysmorphia. I was picked on a lot for my appearance. I completely understand what it's like to hate what you look like in the mirror. But from a female perspective, I suppose you, you're almost getting on both ends, aren't you? Because everyone, people, it's a mask. yeah, people feel insecure. As much, men and women should be building each other up. We should build each other up anyway. We shouldn't be in competition with yeah. another. But from an evolutionary standpoint, we are. You want to yeah. look good because you want a man to be attracted to you or women who are aware of your preferences. So if yeah. you come out not looking your best, you're instantly going to feel insecure because you think, oh, I'm, I'm at a disadvantage here yet from another point of view and again as you say like you know you shouldn't do it but you can't help sometimes but make those comments is because you think gosh she's looking rough today but you have to almost point it out because you're thinking 
oh, okay. So where am I sitting in the, in the standing now? Am I now, it, it, yeah. it's, one, it's all subconscious. It's all one of these things that nobody really thinks about unless you spend time researching it and stuff. But guys do the same thing. If a guy turns up and he's not done his hair or he's not wearing a nice shirt and you go on a night out, you instantly think, he's looking a bit rough. Yeah. You may not go any more than that, but you always have that in that brief moment where you, you just notice it and you can't help but not. But do you, so I suppose on, on the subject of makeup and, and not going out and stuff, did you, so it's sort of two parts, I guess. Did you find that when you reached the menopausal phase, because it wasn't straight away, did you find that the no. symptoms of the PCOS and endometriosis changed? Were they more intense or did they drop off? And then did you find that you, I suppose, because of the hormonal change that covers that, did you find it was more important to wear makeup and do more self-care bits and pieces than it was pre that area? I've pretty much done the exact same makeup in the exact same way since about 1996. Um, <laughs> so to me, I could probably put this face on in pitch black without a mirror because I'm so used to it. Mm -hmm. But I, I think as well, with regards to the changes in your body, again, because everyone is different. And um, obviously you brushed on the fact earlier that, you know, I had issues with my leg where I broke my ankle, my fibula, my tibula, everything. I was on so much pain medication that actually I wouldn't have had a clue what bloody century I was in half of the time. Right. And to some degree, the last 18 months or so have been very masked. So I haven't noticed the problems half as much um, due to the amount of um, opiates that the, the doctors prescribed. So that was a combination of liquid morphine, tablet morphine, codeine, so any other problems or ailments that I felt, certainly with regards to period pains, endometriosis, polycystic ovaries, for the last year or so, I've not, well, year to 18 months, I've not really noticed it that much. But now my body's kind of coming out of the other side of it. Other things are coming to light. So now I'm noticing it more. So now I have been back to my doctors three times this year so far in the last couple of months about it. Um, whether or not that's a coincidence because I've hit 40, whether or not it's because I'm not on all of the medication I was on last year, I don't know. But I think as a woman, we're very quick to dismiss something. So when you're at work and you feel that griping pain, you can't just stop and hug your hot water bottle and wrap up in a duvet. It's We're very much, you know, stiff up a lip, crack on and carry on, you know. And I think, again, with the makeup, it, if you're feeling really crap on the inside it doesn't need to show on the outside and as women we are told that we must carry on we must do this you know we bring life into the world we earn the money you know we're not women that we were a hundred years ago a hundred years ago we'd have sat at home and baked cookies for our husbands and washed their feet now we we don't do that the roles have very much changed um women have had to become more independent over the years um our social status has changed and i think when we do feel these these cramps again we're quick to dismiss it we're like i'll oh, take a paracetamol it's you know it, it's it's a period pain or oh that doesn't feel right maybe it's trapped wind we'll take a windies or some gaviscon or mm. you know again we're, we're we're almost institutionalized to carry on regardless it sounds and this this may cause a little bit of heat to my way but in in my uh <laughs> 
it sounds like, and this kind of popped up in the last podcast I did on what, what is manliness and, and stuff, and yeah. the one I did on men's mental health. It sounds like you've been institutionalized to think like a man. You suck it up and deal with it. You're at work now. You don't get to feel yeah. the pain. You don't get to feel the emotions. You've gone in. You've got a job to do. Because that's absolutely. But we the, wanted equal rights and we've been given them. <laughs> yeah, in, in, in theory, it was like you wanted to come into the workplace. Well, this is what happens when you come into the workplace. Because that was one of the things yeah. that popped up in, in my research and stuff that where the role of the man for the longest time was to be the breadwinner. Yeah. And then when yep. women entered into the workplace after the depression, and the war, it was it was it was great because it got women into the workplace. But it then one switched the balance of, well, who is the breadwinner in the house anymore? And a lot of men felt that they're what made them a man and they're tasking their job because men are task oriented. We need jobs to do that give us titles, that give us meaning. Yeah. This is where women and men differ uh, which is you know a lot of stuff I brought it's up it's emasculating there. really taking away yeah, their role it was and and the reason for that is is that uh, as I said in the podcast that went out the other day the trouble is men in recent times have been told that manliness is the things that you own the title that you have etc etc whereas way back when men and women were actually judged on the values of their internal values. Are you the best husband to your wife? Are you the best father to your son? Are you the best son to your father, et cetera, et cetera. And then all of a sudden when money became more of a thing, and then obviously as every, the trouble is every, if you put manliness or, or womanliness, as it, it works in both ways to, to an attribute, a job, a physical thing you have, that can change at any point. Manliness at one stage was being the warrior, but then there wasn't any wars to fight. So how do you be a man? Doesn't work. The men was then the breadwinner. Well, women went to work. Well, how do I be a man now? And then the trouble was on the flip side. Women got into the working world, and but that's what men were doing. So you've got to integrate in pretty damn quick. And it's shit. It's bloody horrible having to then go, yeah. you you know, oh, it's that time of the month. Well, I can stay home all day and deal with that because I know that the man is out doing the work. Now it's like, shit, I've got a job to go and do. As you say, mm. I, can't, I can't sit here with a blanket on and, and, and take a day. It's getting better where you can now, especially with remote working and stuff like that, like, and, and workplaces are a little bit more understanding. But yeah, there, it, it was almost the best thing about being a stay-at-home mum was that if you had a bad day, you could kind of have a bad day, but yeah. you were reliant on your man and you, you hope that you had a good one, which is my infinite favorite thing about how women turn around and like younger women now say oh i would love to have grown up in the 50s you know it's all so romantic it was also you came home and if dinner wasn't ready you get a slap so you were a subservient wife <laughs> yeah yeah it, it wasn't all the glam you know it wasn't all gene kelly and all that stuff and singing in the rain it was where's my bloody dinner you should have that yeah. shit sorted um but yeah it's just interesting from your point of view just solely from what you said it sounds like that you've been institutionized to think more like a man because you're in the workplace now so you does yeah. you know, your boss doesn't care that you haven't your boss your customers the company don't care that your insides are actively trying to fight themselves and escape your body they simply yeah can you shut my door please they simply just expect you to do the job yeah so then you as a woman and, and as a man as well, which is, I think, why men milk man flu a bit, because it's the only time they get to really be ill. Because, yeah. you know, if you broke your leg, you'd still be expected, like, did you die? 
No, we'll get your ass back into work then. But if you can almost say that you can't breathe and got some sniffles, it's almost like your day off, as it were. Women have got to mask all that because, but that's what it's become. But the interesting thing about yourself, what you're saying as well, I mean, I remember when you first came into the gym to do your rehab and I physically had to get you on my back out of your wheelchair and two flights of stairs yeah yeah to get you three flights of stairs to get you into the really? massage room to to get it all sorted yeah. and then you said that because you weren't happy with the amount of opiates they were putting you on you were trying to use them as little as possible so i think you you through self-discipline actually really ramped up your pain tolerance i mean you've always been yeah, good with pain I anyway it all dead everything but you really you cut all the medication but you just through sheer fortitude were just like no i'm not gonna let this get and as you say that then makes it very difficult to decide what pain's what because you're just trying to suppress all of it it's just anything yeah. i'm feeling nope it's not happening i'll take the painkillers before bed if i really need to but i'm not dealing with it in the daytime so yeah i can quite well, imagine that there was that moment where it was hard to differentiate between what was going on because you just kind of figured, like, if I don't feel anything, I can survive. Because the yeah. other thing, well, for you in that moment as well, sort of bearing slightly off track, was you were told it was 18 months for recovery. And obviously, once I explained that that was just by their criteria, not by yours, you, you were very worried about not getting back into work and doing something. That was driving you insane, yeah. being stuck where it was. So... I yeah, suppose they, they have there been times yeah yeah and have there been times as well where so it, you brought it up a couple of times and it's interesting to to reiterate women are more prone to negative emotions than men mm -hmm. which is why women yeah. are very good at picking up if their friends aren't very well they're good at picking up if kids aren't doing too well and the environment's changed men aren't men aren't wired that way because traditionally no. to revolution our jobs are far more dangerous we can't be worrying about all the tiny little things there's just something very big in front of us we have to deal with yeah so do you find it's a bit of a catch-22 because you're so prone to negative or picking up on negative emotions do you feel that you need to suppress that sometimes before you overthink things so this might be something that women are going through now that maybe don't know they have pcos or endometriosis but because they feel that they know something's not right but they don't want to acknowledge it because they notice a lot of things that aren't right do you think that could possibly be an issue as well absolutely i think for, for women it, it is like fear of the unknown and it's like if you don't know it can't hurt you and i think because everyone's experience can be so so different it's not easy to know whether or not there is a change some changes will be so significant that you will notice them so if your monthly cycle is is longer or it's it's heavier or it's more prominent then that's something that you will notice but when it's going on inside you, those changes could be mild. And I mean, especially like with, with cervical cancer, that's not something that you feel. That's, no. you, you don't feel that at all. Um, you know, that there's not really any major side effects that would lead you to believe that, you know, there is a problem. So for example, if you break your nose and it bleeds, you, you can see that, whereas, what's going on in the inside it it's not as easy to pick up on it at all no. and because you know you might think that um you know you're just feeling a bit uncomfortable or you've eaten too much or you've not eaten enough or your hormones are you know either 
ramping up the you know not the best few days or they're you know starting to slow down from over those few days it's again we we dismiss everything because we need to carry on because as women we wanted to vote we wanted to work we wanted equal rights and although our bodies are very different to men because we wanted these things we jolly well have to just work through it and like you said for, for men and women it is very different so men don't have that monthly inconvenience they no. don't have the the you know the the real kind of gearing up to it in puberty with you know sore tender boobs and things whereas women have to almost juggle the work-life balance and be almost like an alpha female that yes we can work yes we can get through it yes we can do it but actually sometimes our bodies are saying to us no we can't, no, you can't. we need we, we need a bit of help you know that could yeah. be emotional help it could be pain relief help it could be vitamin supplement because your body is overproducing something or not producing enough i mean i've just been prescribed folic acid now i honestly thought folic acid was only ever given to pregnant women right and when the doctor gave it to me i laughed at him and i said i'm not pregnant i said why do i need that so then he just went off on a tangent and the minute he started talking medical terms, like I, my brain just went, Shh. and I sat there until he finished and I went, okay, thanks. Off I went, I got my prescription and I, I got home and I thought, what the bloody hell did he say? So again, went on to Google, folic acid, what's it used for? Again, the first few things on the internet will say pregnancy, but then it will go on about hormones as well. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I'm on it's... folic acid. Yeah, as you say, it was, it was an interesting one because it's it's almost, I suppose not even almost, you, you have to have a work-life balance yep. that contradicts a biological hormone balance that throws you yep. out of whack every month. And the other thing yep. is, and this is, again, and I love talking to you because you are just very much to say it how it is. You, this, this is the problem with the quality of outcome because yeah. it doesn't exist and if, if ever there was an example this is it equality of opportunity absolutely you should have been able to vote you should be able to go to work i have two yeah. little girls who i will empower to the absolute end of me to get equal pay to get but at the same time you don't have equal you don't have um equality of outcome because you have to battle something i don't yeah we i can i can go bodies. to work day in day out every single day of my working life and it'd be pretty much the same unless an outside influence changes it once every 28 days you are dancing with the devil essentially to see yeah, what's going to happen what you know it could be a great week it could be i mean i've been very lucky that my partner and my previous partner had very not very hormonal spouts they're periods didn't last very long and it was all very regulated yet as i say living with my mother who's was the polar opposite i am very much aware you know I, i'm not naive to the fact that like you know as you say in your case that week is wild and you you've got to keep a lid on it yeah it's like rolling the dice and spinning a plate and like you said dancing with the devil you might be really good that one day you just want to eat and you want cake and you want sugar and then the next day you literally would want to skin the fur off kittens. And 
you know, you, you, you don't know how you're going to wake up each day and it, it's all well and good said, I'll oh, just get on with it, just get on with it. But you don't know what hormonal changes and imbalances are going on and how that's going to affect your day. And like I said, you know, something so little and so trivial, like the Marmite not being available in the cupboard, absolutely sent me off on a raging tangent. And, mm. you know, I mean, I, I probably could have taken on, you know, 25, 30 men with the rage that I had and, you know, fought for Marmite. Um, but again, you know, there might be other days where I just want to be left alone, where I'm tired and where I'll have a duvet day and stay in mm. bed. And and this is, you know, there'll be a lot of guys slash girls, frankly, that may listen yeah. to to this this scenario, shall we say, and going, oh yeah, but I get like that sometimes. But the difference is, is that if you don't have more more so for men, again, I'm not I'm not telling women how to think on this one because I can't. Um, but for from the guy's perspective, it's like, oh yeah, my missus gets a bit aggy as well. So it's a little bit different than that when you have these other conditions. It's not a regulated, oh, once a month, it's going to be a, I should stay out of her way kind of thing. It's a, this could happen tomorrow just because it feels like it. This this isn't going to yeah. come turn up on your, you're not going to mark this off on the calendar with a big red X for seven days, mate, and happy days or I'll, I'll come back in a week. This is a, it's been one day off and you're back on again, straight in. Whoa, I thought, okay. you, I thought you came off. Well, clearly not, because, I mean, as yeah. I said, my mum's used to be, three weeks in a row and she was very volatile dangerously volatile she'd get a week off and then bang another three four weeks in so you know me and my brother sometimes were just told by my dad it's that time it's pretty bad just try and stay out of the way i'll do what i can for you but yeah you've been warned and we we had to we just had to skirt around it and deal with it you know it wasn't mum's fault it's just unfortunately that she had the run that she had and there's plenty of women yeah. and as i suppose from your side of you that as you said before there's that guilt and there's that that shame almost that you can't keep control of it but in in these situations you you just can't it's just physically impossible and biologically yeah. impossible to keep any kind of lid on this eruption that's waiting to happen you know the volcano blows when it blows and it's the same yeah in this situation and I think as well, like certainly if if you're in a relationship and you've got a partner, um, you know, ideally when you're in a relationship, you want to be the best version of yourself that you can be for mm. your partner. You know, you want to have that intimate side as well. So, you know, not everyone is comfortable being intimate, you know, at, at those particular times, you know, some do, some don't, you know, and this is conversations that, you know, you, you have with your friends all the time. And, you know, some people have a laugh and a giggle about it, but then as a woman, you want to keep hold of your man. So you almost feel guilty that you're denying him his conjugal rights. Mm. And then in your mind, because your hormones are everywhere, you're thinking, well, if, if I can't give him what he wants, what if he goes somewhere else and gets it, you know, and then it could be something as simple as, you know, he's gone to the shop and he's bumped into a mate and he's having a 10 minute chat outside the, com you know, outside the, the corner shop. But in your mind, you're thinking, well, he's been gone 20 minutes. What's he been doing? Why hasn't he come back? And mm -hmm. I think as well, because women generally do tend to overthink things. And when we're in that hormonal imbalance, it can really affect relationships. Yeah. And, you know, men might make a joke of it and go, oh, well, you know, you know, <laughs> There's, there's, there's more than one way or, or, you know, oh, you know, just chuck her some chocolate or something. I think 
we they can be a little bit insensitive to our needs sometimes but i think we're a little bit oversensitive and think more into it that actually i don't think they're going to be too fussed if they're denied you know intimacy for a few days yeah it's but that we feel failures as women because yeah. we can't do that or yeah, won't. it's that prone to negative emotions under a microscope because you say your your hormones cause you to race guys on the most part aren't well versed unless they've had to live through it yeah the majority of guys are pretty good and if it's explained they'll understand it and you say but as you 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 kind of hit the nail on the head there it doesn't matter how good your man is if you are not comfortable and you're not processing things right it doesn't matter how good a man you've got unfortunately yeah because you will push them away because you overthink because you feel that you can't Mm -hmm. provide he may be okay with it or he may suggest well i don't mind if we do it anyway but you don't want to do it because you you've got to feel sexy and in the mood you know there's a lot of sex is as sex is as much up in the mind as it is in the body it's not just a case of take your clothes off and off you go so you've got to feel that you want to do it and there's a hot it's, it's such a and the trouble is is that i mean personally i know all the guys that i hang around with are very much in the same boat they do want a connection with the person they're with it isn't just about getting some and stuff and you know we laugh about it and going oh what's your de- what's your designated day and you go oh well it happens to be this day oh really mine's a friday and but it's not that that's what it's about it's you you accept it because it's everything else that's involved but as you say if you if you're overthinking something and, and as you say you could have the best man or best woman in the world and if you're bodies betraying that thought process it it does become nigh impossible and it doesn't matter how patient that person is you will keep driving and pushing until you get the answer that you feel you want which is completely unfair on either end but it's nobody's fault and that's the hardest part is that it is nobody's fault it's just this 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 coin toss that you're going to get on the day that you almost hope that he doesn't bump into somebody because you can feel like you're not gonna be able to keep a lid on it or some days you think yeah fucking spend 10 minutes because i can't bear the sight of you i hope you take bloody 12 hours ago down the shop don't come back too soon yeah (laughs) then i think also as well it's i think as as women we seem to generally be embarrassed you know that that we have this regular cycle once a month or one you know i mean let's be honest i mean although we call them monthlies they can rock up anywhere between 17 and 35 days so again every woman is different um but it's almost like an embarrassment to say i'm on my period it's like something that we should be ashamed of but then it's not anything that we ask for as you know as a newborn we didn't say please grace us with this you know amazing experience every month or how it's we don't have a choice in that and i think as well um like as as women obviously we we want to be fresh we want to shower we we need to make sure we've got those products mm. and i think it's massively unfair that we have to pay for them as well no, so it's, like, it's outrageous woman, like the fact that the fact that you have to pay tax on sanitary products is, is oh the tampon you, tax yeah it's, it's, i don't understand it because it makes no sense either end and i, I joke with my yeah. other half about this because i'm the one that goes and buys them all she always sends me around the shop to get them like i've been I've, I've been dyeing my other half's hair, buying her tampons for her and everything since we got together. It really doesn't bother me. 
And I just said, who decided that tampons and sanitary products were a luxury item? I never once met a man that was excited that his (laughs) other half was now at that point of her cycle because it never goes well for anybody. Like, I don't know who made that law, but they need a real big punch in the back of the head because it's like it, it, it for no for no gender at any point was the period the pinnacle of luxury it's not like you buy them as an accessory and hang them from your ears it's like it's literally yeah. designed to allow a female to continue with her day yeah while she menstruates much. that's what they're designed for they are they're actually almost an essential work item if you think about it because yeah. you, you know if you're not working you could just stay at home you and can't go out without them no, you could stay at home and, and do your thing. Power to you. But if you want to work and function and socialize, you need this product. It's like, it's again, it's a necessity. Yeah. It is, it, absolutely. It baffles me that, you know, you have to pay the amount you have to pay for them. And then they put tax on it as well. It's like how... Yeah. Uh, no, fair enough. If if it, it seems funny, it's like it even should be a case of like, if, if I'm a guy buying them, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll pay for them. But if a woman comes in, they should just be somewhere that they can go to get them. Like, uh, like a little or, goodie bag in the toilets. Like, never mind the lipstick and the hairspray. We want sanitary yeah, items. But, but I mean, it's almost like you can pay for an NHS to free to the point of use. I would have no issue at all of part of my tax money going into the fact that I know that my two little girls could walk in at any moment into a shop and just grab what they need. Yeah. And go. I mean, obviously, they would say, "Well, you pay for them anyway." It's like, well, it's not the point because there's plenty of women and girls out there that feel embarrassed to go get them if they're in a yes. single parent family, and the mum either isn't very clued up because sometimes that happens despite having them themselves, or if they're in a single parent family with a dad who has no clue what's going on. Yeah. You know, it could be the fact that the dad's really trying but doesn't understand anything about it and this poor girl's got to go find them herself and she doesn't realise how much they cost. And if you're on a, on a low-income family, like, the last thing you should really be having to pay for is fucking sanitary products. It's like... Oh. Yeah, and even as a 40-year-old woman, if I have to go and get them from the shop, if, if like, I mean, obviously self-serve and self-scan things are, you know, far more popular. But years ago, those facilities weren't there. So as a woman, sometimes you'd find yourself walking up and down the aisles waiting for a female cashier to become free mm-hmm. because we are embarrassed that this is happening to us every bloody month. Now, you don't really want to look like a complete banana and buy out the whole entire shelf to keep you from that embarrassment for a year's supply. But again, it crosses your mind, doesn't it? You really do think maybe if I just overbuy them, I don't have to come back for a bit. Yeah. And I think for men and women, like certainly men are quite proud of their man bits, you know, and they have been known to, you know, flash them and share them and, you know, this is what I, this is my manliness. Whereas you know what the funniest woman, thing is? I don't understand that unless somebody asks you to see it, keep it in your chair because they're not, they're not pretty parts. Ladies have pretty parts, which is why men put their things inside lady parts because nobody needs to see it. You don't, you don't show it. It goes into the no. lovely thing and you keep it in there. That's where you keep it. I don't understand that whole need to expose oneself and go, aha, look at what I have. Dude, didn't look pretty before you pulled it out. Sure, shit doesn't look pretty now. 
But again, women are almost institutionalized in believing that our bits should be a, a certain way, a certain size, that they should, you know, and it's almost like everything to do with the woman parts is an area of shame. So we're shamed if we're not groomed. We're shamed if we groom too much. We're shamed if we expose it. You know that they're just. Do you find it, it's, it's more it's women that do the shaming? Shame. Do you find it's women that do more of the shaming or men? I'd, I'd say it's a mix. Um, yeah. I mean, certainly. I mean, now you have you, you have the option to have a designer one because we believe that you know they should look a certain way. And most people's, you know, if 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 you as, as a man up, who was never overly different. popular with women, I was just happy to see one. I didn't really care what it looked like when it came out. I just I was just so happy that I hadn't messed things up enough that I got to see one. I was like, oh, hooray! I was like, well, the I, fact I, that what it looked like was completely irrelevant at that point. I was like, oh my god, you've 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 deemed me worthy. Well, I think one good thing is that there is this absolutely shit crazy program on tv called naked attraction it's fascinating isn't it it's just it is. so yeah. beyond me but and my other half I are fixated it, with it we can't help yeah. ourselves and it's like it's so weird isn't it because that first bit that comes up you're literally just asking somebody to make an assessment on someone's entire being based on their based private on their genitals yeah. men or women the things with men is men men feel in contest with each other for size because for us it is the epitome of who you are like if you look at this you know there was a there was a guy on naked attraction that came out the other day and i swear to god he was swinging a hammer between his legs and i literally <laughs> went to cat no wonder those two don't know where to look i don't know where to look i'm impressed right now jesus like yeah you know it's, but you do everybody because it's an internal thing because if it looks better than yours, you assume that that person's going to get a better chance with a mate than you are. That's that's the old evolutionary state of it. So it doesn't matter whether it's a vagina, whether it's your boobs, whether it's your bum, whether it's your, your penis, whether it's your testicles, whether it's how big a broader shoulder. Guys get massively funny about broad shoulders as well. Like if you're a very, and beards, beards are a massive thing as well for guys. I've had people actively come up and like get funny with me because my beard was darker than theirs. They thought I dyed it and then got annoyed that I had a naturally dark, thick beard because he couldn't grow one. We're tell so- him to get, Tell him to have the menopause and he'll have one within three weeks. That's Yeah, yeah that's what you need. Um, yeah. It's so funny how, that's why I asked because I didn't know whether you'd personally or in, in general, it's been in, in, from my point of view, and from the people that I hang around with, because again, if I, I'm very much that guy, if you're going to be a knob, I don't want to be your friend. Um, none of us have ever really worried about what the lady parts look like. We have a preference, but it was never something we'd enforce. You know, if you know, if you want to shave, that's your prerogative. It's like, I'm, again, I'm not going to kick up a fuss if it's if it's not how I would prefer it, but. You know, it is what it is. But I think there's been a real thing, as you say, at the moment to, to look a certain way. Like it's all those um, those funny adverts like on ASOS and stuff where women are wearing these micro bikinis and all these real women are going, I don't know where she puts her vagina, but it sure as shit isn't in that bikini because there's no way I'd fold it all in there. And I'm thinking when I see some of these shorts that guys wear, I'm like, there's no way I can do that. I'd get arrested if I wore those shirts. There's those oh, camel toe and moose tooth. Yeah, you just think, I mean, again, being a lifeguard was bad enough when you were in these short shorts and you're thinking, oh God, I hope nobody mildly attractive comes in because I'm literally going to get arrested if something happens here. 
it's like <laughs> just some of it's just farcical but you do you look at all these really and you know they're all airbrushed and it's all been cleaned out and made to look as tiny as possible and you think even i've looked at some of the i think in my time as a man i have never seen any female parts that look like that i don't even think that's possible for it to look like that like why on earth would you make that the thing to to aspire to because it's almost well it just doesn't exist yeah i think as well and like because i i think there was a really powerful storyline um many years ago on um sex in the city where samantha who wasn't blessed in the bosom department decided that she wanted to keep up with the younger ladies and she wanted to have you know, new false boobs. And she went to see a specialist and a surgeon to have, uh, you know, breast implants. And um, yeah, they found out that she had breast cancer. Mm. And, you know, she yes, was sure that, that she, she didn't have enough boobs to have breast cancer. Mm. But again, it just goes to show that sometimes our quest for vanity will absolutely overlook any forms of rationalization when it comes to admitting there could be a problem. I mean, I'm sure if you asked all the ladies that, that you work with, honestly, how many of them have checked their boobs in the last 12 months? You might get 50% that say, I have, I have, but I bet out of that 50%, probably only 5 10% of them actually have. Mm. Yeah, it's a, it's a scary statistic. Um, we will wrap up on that because otherwise me yeah. and Bev can go on forever and ever and ever. Um, <laughs> if you have any questions for myself or Bev, because I will pass them on, um, please yeah, feel free to lay them on us. I hope this has helped open your eyes a little bit into what it's like guys to be a woman and women to be a woman that's a real woman, not one that you are yeah. talking about a perfect lifestyle. Not that... Um, you know, Bev is not perfect, but, um, you know, from that... I'm definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to big you up here, Bev. Come on, play the game. I am, I am, yeah. She is. She bloody well is. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, please, again, if there's a few things we can take away from this, go get your checks. Check yourself. Don't be afraid to question. Ask for multiple answers if you still don't get it. And know that, you know, as as much as it's abnormal, you are a normal woman you are as much as a woman as anybody else there's just variations in all of us and the same for guys as well and i'll probably get some guys in as well talking about different bits and pieces later on but i and hope ask this your partner to check for differences yeah yeah um because your partner probably touches your boobies more than you do and you probably have a group of his bits maybe more than he does so it's if about not, having turn it into the... something that you do check each other out because to be fair well, yeah, but also, I suppose on that note, you can look at it objectively because you'll purposefully miss things because you don't want to know the answer, whereas the person who you love or loves you very much will want you to be healthy and get it looked at. So feel each other up. Not only does it make you feel good, but you might prolong the time you have with one another by finding something that maybe shouldn't be there. So take care, Prevention everybody. Prevention is better than cure. <laughs> exactly. Words there to end go. it by. Take care, everybody, and we'll speak to you soon. Take and that's the end of today's podcast. Thank you for listening. We really hope you enjoyed it. If you have any comments, good or bad, we'd love to hear from you because it always helps us improve or to keep doing what you enjoy hearing. We will be back soon with another episode, so stay tuned. Make sure you subscribe so you know where it is, and we'll speak to you all soon. Bye.